All right, guys, today we got another shout out from our Patreon. Huge thank you to Dr. Yalda Afshar for becoming a $10 a month patron on Patreon. Thanks, Dr. Afshar. If you also want to become a Patreon member and get your own shout out on the show, or better yet, get some cool swag from Creogs Over Coffee, head on over to www.patreon.com slash Coffee and get signed up. Welcome back. This is Faye. And this is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. So today we'll be continuing our hypertensive disorders of pregnancy saga. And today we're going to be covering a huge beast of a topic. We're going to try and cover in 20 minutes or less everything from gestational hypertension to eclampsia. How do you feel, Nick? That's a... definite beast of a topic. I mean, like you said last time, we got all that reading that's probably a hundred some odd pages in and of itself. But if we can condense it down to 20 minutes, then I think that we've done a pretty good job. Our learning objectives were in our last episode, but essentially what we'll be doing today is talking about the diagnostic criteria for all of these hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. We'll be talking about treatment and then also delivery considerations. So Nick, I don't know about you, but I like to think about all of these diseases kind of on a spectrum. So, you know, you start with gestational hypertension, you get a little worse, it's preeclampsia without severe features, you get a little worse, it's preeclampsia with severe features, and then you get help, and then eclampsia. Yeah, I think definitely like from a thought process perspective, that's really helpful because they sort of, the diagnostic criteria sort of build on each other. Why don't you start us off? All right. We'll start at the beginning of these diseases with gestational hypertension. Um, Gestational hypertension, again, is the onset of hypertension after 20 weeks of gestation and defined as a systolic pressure of greater than or equal to 140 or a diastolic pressure of greater than or equal to 90 on two separate occasions at least four hours apart. Important to know with gestational hypertension, even though it's considered a separate syndrome or disease, it may not actually represent a separate entity from preeclampsia without severe features. Risk factors are very similar. The disease courses are very similar. Though, if you do have severe range blood pressures, given the facts that gestational hypertension and preeclampsia without severe features are more or less equivalent to each other, those severe range blood pressures should bump you from gestational hypertension to preeclampsia with severe features. There's no longer anything called severe gestational hypertension. With treatment of gestational hypertension, there's no treatment that's actually indicated unless the blood pressures reach that severe range, which is again defined as greater than or equal to 160 systolic or greater than or equal to 110 diastolic. With these patients, they should be getting blood pressure monitoring routinely as well as antenatal testing and routine growth ultrasounds beyond 32 weeks. Patients with gestational hypertension and without any other comorbidities should be considered for delivery starting at 37 weeks. All right, let's move on to preeclampsia without severe features. So preeclampsia without severe features, again, builds on the diagnosis of gestational hypertension. So you'll want to look for those blood pressures, systolic greater than or equal to 140, or diastolic greater than or equal to 90 on two separate occasions, at least four hours apart after 20 weeks of gestation, but not severe range, meaning less than 160 over 110. 
And these patients are going to have proteinuria, which is defined as greater than 300 milligrams in a 24-hour urine collection, or a urine protein to creatinine ratio of greater than 0.3. Treatment for preeclampsia without severe features is very similar to gestational hypertension. And again, outcomes are very similar between patients with gestational hypertension and preeclampsia without severe features. You really don't need to treat any of these blood pressures unless they become severe range, greater than 160 over 110. However, these patients should have close blood pressure monitoring, antenatal testing, and growth ultrasound. In terms of delivery considerations, they should be delivered after 37 weeks. Moving on from there, we'll build on and now talk about preeclampsia with severe features. So preeclampsia with severe features, again, presupposes a diagnosis of preeclampsia without severe features and can be defined as any of the following. One criteria can be blood pressure alone. Again, when you reach that severe threshold of systolic greater than or equal to 160 or diastolic greater than or equal to 110, that should be a consideration for preeclampsia with severe features. Unlike With gestational hypertension or preeclampsia without severe features, you do not need to wait four hours to confirm the two blood pressures, so that way you can facilitate timely treatment. If you only have blood pressures that are in the non-severe but elevated category, again, greater than or equal to 140 over 90, there are other diagnostic considerations that will define severe features. These include a platelet count of less than 100,000, a creatinine of greater than 1.1 or double the baseline for a patient with baseline renal dysfunction, elevated liver function tests, AST or ALT, greater than twice the upper limit of normal or greater than twice the baseline for a patient with baseline liver dysfunction, new onset pulmonary edema, or new onset headache or visual changes that are unresponsive to medication. Now, the treatment for preeclampsia with severe features includes the treatment of these acute onset severe range blood pressures and, if necessary, the initiation of a controller daily medication for elevated blood pressures. Again, take a listen to our acute hypertension espresso episode if you want to hear about those treatment algorithms for these severe range blood pressures. You should also initiate magnesium for seizure prophylaxis because the danger of preeclampsia with severe features is ultimately the development of seizures. Magnesium should be started at a 4 to 6 gram loading dose, then a 1 to 2 gram per hour drip thereafter, which should continue intrapartum and through 24 hours postpartum. If the patient has baseline renal impairment, you should monitor magnesium levels with a therapeutic range target of 4 to 7 milliequivalents per liter or 5 to 9 milligrams per deciliter, depending on the measure that you use. If the patient is under 34 weeks and they're stable, meaning that you can manage their blood pressures with medicines and that the patient does not seem to be progressing or worsening with respect to their severe features, you should continue with blood pressure monitoring, antenatal testing, and growth ultrasounds. Labs should be performed at least every 12 hours until the patient has reached a stable status, and then at that point they can be spaced out depending on your institutional protocol. The standard of care for patients with preeclampsia with severe features is inpatient management until delivery. If the patients don't have any other comorbidities, delivery should be considered at 34 weeks, or if they're beyond 34 weeks at the time of diagnosis. If you're delivering a patient for unstable preeclampsia with severe features prior to 34 weeks, 
you should consider the administration of steroids for fetal lung maturity. And if after 34 weeks, you can consider antenatal late preterm steroids or ALPS steroids. Okay, so I think that brings us to HELP syndrome, which stands for hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, and low platelets, which I like to think is just kind of a more severe form of preeclampsia with severe features because all of those things individually can give you preeclampsia with severe features. HELP presupposes a diagnosis of preeclampsia with new onset of hypertension in pregnancy with Hemolysis, which can be defined as an LDH of greater than 600 international units per liter, an AST or ALT that is greater than two times the upper limit of normal, and platelets that are less than 100,000. Treatment should be similar to preeclampsia with severe features, so you should be treating those acute onset severe range blood pressures. Patients should receive magnesium for seizure prophylaxis. You should be monitoring their magnesium levels if they are renally impaired and decrease their magnesium drip based on their uh, magnesium levels. And of course, getting labs at least every 12 hours, if not every six hours, to see if the patient uh, will become stable. With HELP syndrome, if the patient is unstable, meaning that they continue to have dropping platelets or increasing AST, ALT, or hemolysis, or if the patient or the fetus uh, becomes unstable in terms of difficult to control blood pressures or there is compromise of the fetus based on testing, then delivery is indicated usually after steroid completion or after maternal stabilization. Finally, we come to the big daddy, eclampsia. Eclampsia, again, is the final manifestation of these hypertensive disorders of pregnancy that results in seizures. These seizures are new-onset tonic-clonic seizures that can be focal or multifocal and should be in the absence of other causative conditions. So it's important to rule out other causes of seizures, especially in a young female patient population, things like drug use or withdrawal um, or eating disorders is two more common ones. Eclampsia can, is a significant cause of maternal death. These seizures can cause maternal hypoxia, trauma, aspiration pneumonia, and then any time that you have maternal hypoxia or an impaired maternal status, you can also get an impaired fetal status. So really, with these patients, you need to get mom stabilized right away. You need to call for help, get the patient placed in a lateral decubitus position, administer oxygen or secure an airway, um, and monitor vital signs. If the patient already has IV access, you should start with 6 grams IV of magnesium. If the patient is presenting either in the field or in the emergency department and does not yet have IV access, you can use 10 grams or 5 plus 5 grams of intramuscular magnesium. This doesn't necessarily stop the seizure that's ongoing, but this is to help prevent the next seizure. If the patient has recurrent seizures after this, they should receive 2 to 4 grams of mag bolus over 5 minutes. If the seizures are refractory, meaning that the seizures are still present 20 minutes after the bolus or they have greater than 2 seizures, you should consider alternative anti-epileptic administration at that point, and that can include sodium amobarbital, thiopental, or phenytoin. Additionally, with multiple seizures, you should consider again securing an airway, considering head imaging such as a CT to rule out an intracranial bleed, and definitely you should be talking with your critical care colleagues at this point about an ICU admission. 
delivery can't happen until after mom is stabilized, but it should happen after mom is stabilized uh, with eclampsia because, again, the only way to cure eclampsia is delivery. So I think we just went through gestational hypertension all through eclampsia, and we have a few more minutes. So I'd like to just touch on a few more additional things. So remember, if the patient was diagnosed with any of these hypertensive disorders of pregnancy in a previous pregnancy, they should be started on a baby aspirin during their next pregnancy to lower their risk of developing hypertensive disorders of pregnancy again. The other thing that we mentioned briefly but can touch upon a little bit more now is the thought of magnesium toxicity. So again, there's no indication to follow magnesium levels routinely in patients that don't have renal dysfunction. But in those who do have renal dysfunction, it may be helpful to obtain magnesium levels. Magnesium toxicity, though, can be diagnosed clinically. The therapeutic range, again, for magnesium is at 4 to 7 millicues per liter. You'll lose patellar reflexes as the first sign of magnesium toxicity at a level above 7 millicues per liter. Again, the danger with magnesium toxicity is in respiratory paralysis, and that occurs generally at levels greater than 10 millicues per liter. And of course, if you really go overboard with the magnesium, cardiac arrest or cardiac dysfunction can occur at levels greater than 25 millicues. I also just want to touch on mode of delivery. So I think because of how scary things like HELP syndrome and eclampsia can be, our first thought may be to get the patient delivered as quickly as possible. Um, however, if the patient can be stabilized, even with the diagnosis of HELP or with eclampsia, and if the patient's uh, fetus is in vertex position, induction of labor can and should be tried, like I said, as long as maternal and fetal statuses are stable. All right, Faye, I think that about sums it up. Um, why don't we try and summarize once more? So we talked about um, everything from gestational hypertension all the way to eclampsia. We started with gestational hypertension, which is the new onset of elevated blood pressures greater than or equal to 140 systolic or greater than or equal to 90 diastolic on two occasions at least four hours apart after 20 weeks of gestation. We talked about treating gestational hypertension with blood pressure monitoring, antenatal testing, growth ultrasounds, and then delivering if the patient does not have other comorbidities after 37 weeks. Preeclampsia without severe features, again, is the same blood pressure criteria, greater than or equal to 140 systolic or greater than or equal to 90 diastolic on two occasions, at least four hours apart after 20 weeks of gestation, that are not in the severe range, so less than 160 and less than 110, in concert with proteinuria, as defined either by a 24-hour urine collection resulting in 300 milligrams or more of proteinuria or a spot protein-creatinine ratio of greater than 0.3. The treatment mirrors that with gestational hypertension and blood pressure monitoring, antenatal testing, and growth ultrasounds, and delivery again is also at 37 Preeclampsia with severe features presupposes a diagnosis of preeclampsia, um, and you can be diagnosed based on a severe range blood pressure, which is a blood pressure of greater than or equal to 160 systolic or greater than or equal to 110 diastolic, or elevated but not severe range blood pressures with new onset thrombocytopenia, with new onset renal dysfunction, elevated LFTs, pulmonary edema, or new onset neuro symptoms like headaches or visual changes. We would treat preeclampsia with severe features um, based on the need in terms of acute onset severe range blood pressures, 
and thinking about starting a daily medication for elevated blood pressures. Magnesium should be given for seizure prophylaxis. The patient should be stabilized, and they should be managed inpatient with blood pressure monitoring, antenatal testing, growth ultrasounds, and labs until the patient's labs are stable. Delivery should be done at 34 weeks or if the patient is after 34 weeks upon diagnosis. HELP syndrome again presupposes a diagnosis of preeclampsia, but in concert with the particular severe features of elevated liver enzymes to twice the upper limit of normal and thrombocytopenia of less than 100,000. You also should be diagnosing hemolysis on the basis of an LDH level of greater than 600 international units per liter. And the HELP syndrome is extremely dangerous and needs treatment of any severe range blood pressures, treatment or seizure prophylaxis with magnesium, and continued laboratory monitoring. The patient should be delivered after steroid complete or upon maternal stabilization. And finally, we touched on eclampsia, which is really the convulsive manifestations of the hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. It is a significant cause of maternal death and fetal uh, morbidity and mortality. So the first thing that you need to be thinking about other than delivery is really to stabilize mom. You should be treating her um, in terms of finding an airway, placing her in the lateral decubitus position, monitoring vital signs, treating that seizure with magnesium, not necessarily to stop them, but to prevent the next seizure. And if the patient continues to have refractory seizures, to think about other medications to treat seizures, as well as considering intubation, head imaging, and ICU admission. Delivery should be done after maternal stabilization. All right. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoyed this episode, please go on iTunes or any other of your podcatchers and give us a five-star rating or review. Catch us online at creogsovercoffee.com, on Twitter at creogsovercoff1, on Facebook at creogsovercoffee, or if you're a big fan and you want to check us out on Patreon to get some cool swag or a shout out on the show, check out www.patreon.com slash creogsovercoffee. And of course, we're always looking to improve. So if you have a suggestion for us for a topic or if there's anything that we said that you disagree with on this podcast or you just want to come and say hi, give us an email at creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.